Well, even if other people are here, get started. The, the poet Ovid once wrote that uh, wine and dine a woman by candlelight because by candlelight all women are beautiful. And the, the extension of that is, um, in this lighting, I am gorgeous. I really like it. Um, so I apologize we can't find a happy medium with the lighting. We will bring up the lights at the end for the question and answer so you can see the people that will have been talking at you the entire time. Um, welcome. Uh, thank you for coming. My name is Lance Kenny. I am the director of the Office of International Studies. I have probably the best job on campus uh, in that I make, I'm responsible for uh, shipping students to other countries. Uh, and I really like what I do. Um, the Office of International Studies is responsible for helping undergraduates to add an international element to their undergraduate curriculum. Uh, whether that is a semester or an academic year overseas, uh, one of our customized programs or one of our many summer programs. Uh, the point of this presentation today is to give you a brief overview of the office, what we do, how uh, students have the ability to study overseas. More importantly, we're going to have you hear from students that have studied abroad uh, and come back. Uh, the study abroad alumni are really our best advocates and always have some really interesting stories. Um, there are a variety of reasons for studying abroad, many of which I don't have to tell you. Um, and if you remember from when you were going through the process of trying to find a college or, or visiting universities um, when you as a student were a senior in high school, as you know, any university uh, religiously affiliated or famous founding member, uh, you always use the text or the religious affiliation to justify everything on campus. Um, as an Augustinian institution, it's really easy to segue uh, with Augustinian thought and study abroad. Not only because St. Augustine himself traveled extensively, studied overseas from his home repeatedly, and used that as a basis for, for his theology, for his development of his thought, uh, but more importantly in terms of Augustinian thought as a whole, the, the sense of community is very important, not something that as an institution that, that we're blowing smoke about. It's something that's very important to Villanova in terms of its identity. And our job is really helping students to expand that idea of, of community uh, in many ways so that we are helping to create global citizens. Um, again, members of the Office of the International Studies, the professional staff will be talking to you, uh, but we want to intersperse that with the really interesting people, namely the study abroad students. Uh, so we will start off with that. Our first student is Stephen Woods, uh, who is a Spanish major and studied in Spain last spring. Hi, um, I'm Steve Woods. Uh, I'm a junior double major in uh, communication and Spanish. Um, I studied in Spain last year during my sophomore year, um, in, during the spring semester, and then also during the summer. Um, I studied in uh, Alcalá de Henares during the spring semester, which is about 30 minutes outside of Madrid. And then uh, over the summer, um, I did an internship program uh, in Seville. And uh, I decided to study abroad um, First, because uh, I'm a Spanish major, so I thought it was really important uh, to go to a Spanish-speaking country so that I could improve my Spanish. Um, and also because I have lived abroad before. I used to live in Mexico and Japan, and both those experiences were so great. And I, I mean, I, know, I knew that um, if I went abroad again, that I would really enjoy it. Um, I went, uh, Alcala, um, the program started January 9th, and uh, there were 32 people in the program, and I was the only one uh, from Villanova. And uh, we had class uh, four days a week from Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. until 2 p.m. And uh, all the courses were 
uh, taught in Spanish. I took five courses. And um, I lived in the uh, student apartment houses, which were about a 10-minute bus ride from uh, the institute where I studied. And uh, I lived with seven Spanish guys, which was really good because, I mean, every day I was speaking Spanish. And it was also good because I got to meet a lot of other uh, Spanish students, where if I was in a home stay, I might not have had the opportunity to meet so many other Spanish students and to speak more in Spanish. Um, while I was in the program, uh, there were two uh, group trips that we had that were planned. Uh, one was to Seville in the southern part of, uh, of Spain, and the other was to Leon, which is in the northern part of Spain. Um, I also traveled to Barcelona with a few friends and uh, to Segovia. Um, and also during Semana Santa, which is the week leading up to Easter, um, it's kind of our spring break, we had that off. I went with uh, a few friends to um, Portugal and also to the Netherlands. Um, but the program finished April 26th and I came back to the United States for about a month um, until the program in Seville began May 25th. And I went back to um, Spain May 25th. And uh, the program in Seville was a little bit different because it wasn't a study, well, I took, a, I took one course, a business Spanish course, but I also did an internship in, uh, in Seville. I worked for uh, a travel agency and I did um, like web development and uh, other marketing tasks, tasks for, um, for the company. And uh, my schedule uh, during the day, I mean during the week, um, changed almost every, every day. But um, uh, normally I worked from about 9 to 1 and then uh, I had siesta until about 5.30. <laughs> And then, um, then I would go back to work after that and work from 5.30 to 8. And um, you had to work 120 work hours uh, during the seven weeks that I was there. Um, but the living, uh, living in Seville was a little bit different because I wasn't in student housing. Uh, the only option you had was to, uh, to do a homestay. And you had three options. You could live with a senora, or you could live with a young couple, or um, with a family. Um, I was put in with a senora who is a little bit over 50 years old and, um, and her mom as well who lived with her. She was a little over 80. And uh, it was a lot different actually from living with seven Spanish guys. <laughs> um, first off, every day I had three meals made for me. Um, breakfast usually consisted of you know, toast at 9 a.m. or so. And then I wouldn't have lunch until about 3.30 in the afternoon. And then dinner wasn't until like 10.30 at night, which was a lot different because I'm used to eating dinner here at like six, you know, six at night. So four hours different was, uh, it was a big difference. But, um, and also she did my laundry, uh, <laughs> she did my laundry two times a week, which was pretty cool. And, uh, and also there was a maid who came to the house every day who cleaned up the whole house. So I'd come back from work and my room would be like perfectly made. My bed would be all nice and everything. So it was a lot different, but, um, <laughs> But uh, that program finished July 14th, so it was just a seven-week program. Uh, but it was a really great experience, and I'm really glad that I did it. And um, I mean, it's really changed what I want to do in the future. Um, once I'm done college, I really want to go back to Spain for a few years to really become fluent in Spanish. Um, I really think you have to be there for a good one or two years just to get a really good handle on the language. Um, also. Prior to going abroad, I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do after, after college in terms of work. Um, but after studying abroad, I really want to uh, work in international education, whether if it's for you know, an international school in a different country 
um, or if it's for a study abroad company. Uh, I just really want to work in uh, international education. But um, like I said, it was a great experience and everybody I know, um, I knew in Spain, the hardest part for them was really coming back to the United States because really nobody wanted to leave. It was just, it was just so much fun. Um, and everybody that I've met back here who has done study abroad, I'm, I haven't met a single person who did not like uh, going abroad. So, um, I mean, you all, uh, if you have the opportunity, um, definitely take advantage of it because uh, it's an experience that um, you know, you'll definitely enjoy. And uh, I know I did, so um, definitely take advantage of it. Thank you. Reasons for, for studying overseas, and I want to use some, some expressions from, from political theory, not from politics, so please don't think I'm, I'm making a political stance. But reasons for studying overseas can, can be grouped into three broad categories. One would be the more pragmatic reasons, things like resume building and the realization that it's necessary to have an international experience in order to land that good job or to get into graduate school afterwards. Uh, there are realistic uh, considerations for studying overseas, namely that the world we live in is not only much more interconnected than ever before, uh, but in terms of national security issues, it's more important than ever for citizens of the United States to be overseas and representing the United States as it should be and as it actually is, not as it's portrayed. Uh, and then, of course, there are the more liberal idealistic reasons. This is an opportunity for students to really, to really see the world, to change the world, and to learn about themselves um, in ways that they never imagined. In terms of the total number of students going overseas, Villanova is very successful with this. Uh, nationally, study abroad numbers have doubled in 10 years. At Villanova, we have doubled our numbers in five years to the point where uh, in last year's graduating class, a third of all the students had studied abroad at some point while they were here at Villanova. Um, which led to us being ranked uh, fourth in the nation. We're very big about ranks, of course, in higher education. You know the basketball ranking. You know that Villanova gets ranked uh, number one in the Northeast for Masters two categories for the Carnegie, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're ranked fourth in the nation for all Masters universities for the sheer number of students that we're sending overseas. Um, our destinations have changed somewhat. The, the darker color there represents places that our students have gone prior to 98, and those are the countries uh, that students have gone since 98. That's actually a little deceptive because it looks like it's a big increase. I'll go back again. Um, we have more, a lot of students going to Denmark, which gave me the ability to color in Greenland. Um, because... <laughs> Greenland's own. We're not actually sending students to Greenland, but it's a, it's it's owned by um, somewhere in the world. My high school social science teacher is cringing, and she doesn't know why. Um, our the destinations that our students are going are pretty much on par with with national averages. Uh, the bulk of our students are going to. Uh, going to Western Europe. I think where Villanova really distinguishes its, itself is that over half of the students that are studying overseas, and, and this d demonstrates this more, over half the students that are going overseas are studying in non-English speaking countries. And I think that's a real success in terms of what we've been doing. Um, I want to introduce now the, the person that is probably the poster child for all things international uh, in the Office of International Studies. We, we, in, in advising students, we often use the expression repeat offenders, meaning we're very anxious for students to study abroad and come back and go away again. Um, this, uh, this next speaker uh, is the first person to have actually gotten frequent flyer miles through the Office of International Studies. Um, Colleen Fisher is a work study in our office, has studied abroad four times as a history major, and I will turn things over to her. 
So uh, I'm Colleen Fisher, like Lance said, and obviously study abroad's a big part of my life. Um, I did four, three semesters overseas and one summer program, so I'm just going to talk about some of the highlights of my programs. Freshman year, going to London, what was really unique about this program was it was all freshmen and it was all Villanova business students. So as a freshman program, I think one of the major things I was able to get from this program is an independence. When you go away to college your first semester, you're away from your parents, you're more independent, you have that freedom, but it's still a controlled environment at Villanova campus. But when you go to a foreign city, you're on your own. You're figuring out public transportation, you're figuring out how to get your laundry done in a new country, and you're on your own. And coming back to the U.S. and being independent here is no sweat after you've done it in another country. Another great part of the program in London was that we had internships there. Going into the internship, I thought I would do one like most of the other students, Deutsche Bank, Citigroup, places like that. But in the interview process, I found out there was an opportunity to intern at Parliament, and I jumped at it. So I got the internship, and I was a speechwriter and research intern for uh, Baroness Buscombe in the House of Lords in Parliament. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life, uh, something I definitely couldn't have done if I hadn't studied abroad. And it was also a turning point in my academic career. I decided that culture and history is what I wanted to focus my studies on, and I changed majors. So definitely had a big impact on me. Um, I came back sophomore year and took on my next big step, which was to go to a non-English speaking country. Um, I spoke zero German before going to Germany. So the first few weeks was a lot of weird foods, because when you point at somebody else's and say, I'll just have that, you don't really know what you're going to get. <laughs> but uh, I did learn German, um, and my classes were in English, and this was just a great opportunity as far as studying history in, the, in a country where the history happened. Uh, as a studying World War II, and nothing can bring it more to mind than being at a camp. Uh, studying the East-West Divide in a city like Berlin where 16 years later you still see the divide every day, the presence in people's lives. It's just not something you could get on campus. Um, another great part of that program was we did lots of excursions through the program. Um, we studied the Roman, uh, the Romanian ethnic minority in Hungary, so we went to Romania, we went to Hungary, we spent 10 days living with farmers in Romania, and you know, when you're in the middle of Transylvania and you're your Romanian host is showing you the cow that the milk for your breakfast came from, You're, you just realize how far you are from home. You know? <laughs> uh, that was a great experience. Another thing that a lot of students do when they study abroad is they do uh, field research projects, and I had the opportunity to do that in Berlin. This is a great opportunity because what a lot of students do when they go overseas is they want to focus on one particular thing that they can't do here. So what I wanted to study was the European Union. So in Berlin, I did a field research project on European Union integration. And the opportunity to be in Berlin and have experts in the field being my advisors was, I mean, amazing. I had people who were actually writing things for the European Union on integration, helping me write my research paper. So just the resources you can have when you're in a country you're studying is another great advantage that hopefully people take advantage of if you study abroad. Um, so then I came home for junior year, and the plan had always been to spend two semesters overseas, so I sat my parents down and said, I want to go again. 
Um, the opportunity to go to Asia, I just thought, you know, I had this European experience, but I want to, you know, step even further out of my comfort zone and go to Asia. And I'm really glad I did it because the whole idea of, you know, bigger risks, bigger payoffs, it's true for sure. So in Asia, I probably had my most misconceptions going there. Um, it's just culturally was a totally different world. You know, we have European roots in the U.S. and there's similar cultural norms. And in Asia, I, I was just, you know, as well, I don't know if you can see in the dark, but I have bright red hair. So <laughs> kind of stuck out like a sore thumb having people take my pictures in the street and stuff like that. So it was, it was a different experience, um, but a great one. And again, studying history, I mean, there's, I mean, there's no... More, there's, not, there's no other country than China that has a longer written history, so that was just a great opportunity. Um, I did take the option to do an internship in uh, Hong Kong as well, especially in Asia and not speaking Chinese. I thought, and I knew that the internship's a great way to really get that cultural experience if you might not otherwise. It's, it's you know, easy to become isolated with the other American students. So the internship forces you to talk to people from that country. So I... Um, the, the experience there was, again, so valuable. Working with people from different countries and different language backgrounds, I think in a global economy, is going to become more and more important for everyone. And both the internship opportunities, again, resume building. I mean, I've never had an in interview where someone didn't ask about, you've worked overseas? You know, like, you've already had this great opportunity. So that was definitely very valuable. Um, so then... I came home from Hong Kong for five days and got on a plane to Ireland. Uh, <laughs> it's a great life. Um, <laughs> but uh, that was a great way to knock out some required um, courses since it was a Villanova summer program. Yeah, I got grades for those classes and you know, it set up a nice senior year for me. And uh, I mean, Ireland definitely fit in there better than Hong Kong. It was, it was nice. It was lots of fun. And then, but it was also, the classes were interesting. And something I like to talk about with the Villanova program is that you, we were direct enrolled into NUI, the National University of Ireland. So there was about 300 students taking summer classes there. And out of those 300 students, there were 40 Villanova students. And what Villanova does is we have a um, Villanova professor, Dr. James Murphy, who also has uh, a home in Ireland, and he was um, the additional like Villanova resource for us. And what's great about that is that he really tailored this program to us to make sure that you know you're there for six weeks. So we were going on excursions with him to the Aran Islands, things like that, so that you really got the most out of your six weeks. You know, he was the one that was there encouraging us, saying, make the best of this. Take those dance lessons if you want. Someone on our trip bought a fiddle, took fiddle lessons while they were there. And I don't think they would have done that if Villanova hadn't had that additional support encouraging us to make the most of it. So these are some of my photos. That's me with Baroness Buscombe and uh, playing around in London. And I guess you can tell where the sheep are. So uh, if you have any questions, like Lance said, I uh, love study abroad so much I went and got a job in the office, <laughs> so any questions afterwards feel free to ask me. And one last thing I'd like to leave you with is that I definitely think I learned a lot and academically advanced from my study abroad experiences, but I think it's also important, is especially to you, so did my parents. Uh, they're both here and they both would say they would send me again to every place, so I think that's a pretty good endorsement.
Hi, I'm Hoda Bation. I'm the Assistant Director, and I'm going to talk about some of the study abroad myths. Um, as you have seen with Colleen, you do not need a language in order to study abroad. She studied in China and in German, Germany and did not have those languages before she went. And I don't think she has Chinese now, though, right? No. Okay. Um, so there's no language requirement as far as Villanova is concerned to study abroad. However, once you get to the um, host country, we do require that you take a course in the language of your host country or of the language of your host country. Um, we've sent students to Japan where they study in English and then they take Japanese 101. We've sent students to Denmark. I have a young man in the United Arab Emirates right now. Um, we've sent students all over the world uh, and language is not a Villanova requirement to study abroad. We also do not have a geography requirement. However, we do not send students um, to places where we currently have a U.S. Um, travel warning. So they can go just about anywhere in the world provided there's not a U.S. travel warning in that country. Um, as far as majors, study abroad is open to anybody and everybody. You'll hear from a nursing student here in a minute after me, but we send um, engineers overseas, we send um, history majors, accounting majors, Spanish majors, so it's, uh, a lot of people think that uh, study abroad is just for language majors, for example, but it's not. The key is to plan ahead. Um, and if your student is interested in study abroad, I highly recommend that they come and schedule on our website, actually, they could um, schedule to attend a general information session that we hold twice a day, four days a week. And that is their very first step to their journey overseas. It does not commit them to study abroad, but it it's there at that one hour session where we go over all sorts of policies and procedures and um, it's easier to do that now and plan ahead and decide later if study abroad is something for you than to wait one week before the deadline and be like, okay, I want to go study abroad now. So um, if, you know, if you think your major is not going to allow you to study abroad, um, that's wrong. You can definitely do it if you plan ahead because we will sit with you and look at your CAP report and advise you as to what you can fulfill overseas and what cannot be fulfilled overseas um, and so on and so forth. And that actually leads me to um, the statement that we are not a travel agency. Rather, we are academic advisors and this is study abroad. In, in the general information session, students will be told about um, when they meet with their academic advisor in our office, you need to articulate a skill that you're hoping to develop by going overseas, be it language acquisition, um, if you're a mechanical engineer who has this passion for underwater bas basket weaving with the indigenous people in Australia, that's fine. We are more than happy to help you accomplish whatever skill it is that you're looking to do overseas, but um, you know, oh, I just want to go to Italy to travel on the weekends is not a skill. Uh, you can do that very well with a travel agency. Uh, financial requirement. Thanks to our tuition policy, um, any financial aid you currently have while you're here on campus will travel with you on study abroad programs. So don't think that study abroad is, you know, it's going to cost you too much. It'll just, it'll cost you almost as much as going here for a semester. Um, if you go to Europe, the Euro dollar exchange is not too great, but still, you can study abroad. Again, the key is to plan early, and there are some scholarships if you plan ahead. Policies. Um, as far as student requirements, like I said, it's open to anybody, any majors. Um, you have to have a minimum of a 275. That's a Villanova requirement. There's also the requirement of the host university that you need to meet as well for GPA. It might be higher than ours. Program requirements. We do not have a list of just 
10 programs or, or 10 institutions or even 20 that you go to. Rather, we have a list of criteria. It's just four criteria that the institution or the program must meet. And this opens up the whole entire world to our students. So it really doesn't limit it, provided there's not a US travel warning. Um, the criteria are that it be a nonprofit organization, an accredited or recognized non-US university where they are taught by non-US faculty members, and they have integrated housing. And these are all to help with full immersion into their host culture. Again, one of another of our mottos is if you want it to be like home, you might as well just stay at home because study abroad is to experience something different. Um, in our office, we, we help them with the application process. We go over all that with all the students individually. And the GPA is not affected. So if you have a 4.0 student who's worried about studying overseas and that might affect their GPA, just know that provided you earn um, a C or better in your coursework overseas, it will transfer back to apply towards your Villanova degree, but it will not affect your GPA. So don't let you know that GPA factor stop you from studying abroad. Okay, so I'm going to introduce Tina Thew, a nursing student who spent an entire year at the University of Manchester in England. Tina? Hello. Um, as you heard, I'm Tina Thu, and um, I spent my entire sophomore year in Manchester, England, in the University of Manchester. Um, being a nursing student, it was um, it was we have a, such a rigid curriculum that we um, could only study abroad during our sophomore year for the whole year. But like people sometimes get intimidated by like saying being there for an entire year. Honestly, the entire year went by really quickly. I have like. Being back here, I can't believe it's been a year since I've left to go to England. Um, my experiences has been wonderful. Like getting adjusted there was quite—it was different because thinking that England would be an American, like English-speaking country, and that you seem like you just easily like ease into it. But I actually faced like some cultural differences that like was a little weird, kind of getting used to. Like for example, like. My first time going grocery shopping there, um, thinking here, like, our vegetables and stuff would last a week, two weeks, and it'll still be good and you still could eat it. But being over there, like, once I bought my vegetables and stuff, after a few days, not even, like, things started, like, rotting and everything else. So, like, <laughs> so I pretty much end up, like, having to, like, eat, like, all the vegetables I bought, like, the next day. So <laughs> it's a little getting used to, but it's, um... And then um, being academic-wise, it was really, it's different because here we have like little grades to make up our final grade, but over there, um, my academic-wise, like it was, our grades were pretty much just our one final grade. And so we, we got to learn a lot about, um, learn to like, you get to self, it's a lot of um, self-paced work where you have to, you get your lectures and stuff, where, and then you have to go up on it and then read, about, read up about it. And it's all according to you and what you want to do. And the professors won't be there to like constantly be like, oh, did you read this chapter or did you read this chapter? You need to know this and this and this. It's all up to you. Um, and then what was really nice was um, being a nursing student, I actually spent a lot of time getting to know the culture in Manchester. Um, Near the end of my study abroad experience, um, the last six weeks I was there, I spent six weeks in the in a in a public hospital, 
where I worked pretty much as a staff within their hospital and did what the techs and the nurses did. I helped do give out medications and like I got to really know the patients and stuff and the people who actually live with the culture because I had time to sit down with them and talk to them about the culture and it was a, such a rewarding experience. Um, let's see here. Uh, oh yeah, I decided to study abroad because um, I always actually wanted to go abroad to see different a different culture, see what there is out there because I've lived in America my whole life. Like I didn't know what was outside the American border pretty much. So going to England was my first actual in, international experience. Um, being from like Chinese descent and stuff, my parents were pretty sketch. Like he, they were worried about me going abroad, being like the last child in my family and being the only girl. My dad was at, wasn't at ease at like me going abroad because like what if something happens or you being all by yourself there, um, it's like they didn't have that much confidence in like sending me over by myself. But I pretty much managed to like get transportation around the city, um, get food, make food. Yeah, it was my first time cooking too, so. <laughs> I will spend a lot of time like online researching recipes and stuff to like see what I could cook. So um, I did that, and then now my parents are like gung ho about studying abroad. Like whoever like possibly has like like whoever like my family members or whatever are thinking about studying abroad. My parents are like, oh my gosh, Tina went studying abroad. It's the best experience of her life. You should you get, you should make her to go. And I was sitting back there and being like, wait you guys just didn't really want me to go beforehand, so it went out really well. Um, and I lived in a student accommodation where I lived in a flat with nine other girls, ten total with me. Um, we shared the bathroom, the kitchen, and the living room. And um, it was really nice because I think seven of my ten flatmates were British, student, British students studying at the university. And like I also met people from Italy, um, Latvia, Cyprus, um, the Middle East, Asia. There's, it was a really big international um, international school with a lot of British students as well. Um, let's see here. Um, on my free time, though, there wasn't much because of nursing. Um, I go try to like sneak away, get a little getaway weekend, like to go visit other places. I went to, I went around Europe, or went around UK for my first, half of my first semester from September to December. I went around, I went to like Birmingham um, and London, and also in the Peak District, which is highly recommended if you guys ever go to um, England, because it's a, it's a national park where like, there's a lot of trails and stuff, and you get to really see like the scenic areas of England, like all the rolling hills and the green valleys and stuff. Um, and then for my spring break, I actually went on a Euro trip with my friends, which we organized. Um, we started out in Italy and ended up in France. Like we went to all the different cities in Italy, um, and it was amazing just to see all the different. Because going from one city to the other, you could see like each city has its own characteristics and seeing how it was like historically like made and all the museums in there is just fascinating. Um, yeah, coming, coming back here, I would love to study abroad again, but being a nursing student and with all my clinicals and stuff, 
it's kind of hard to get more out of it, but we have little things of, we have summer programs where we could go to, I think, Ireland or Japan, so I was thinking of actually going to Japan again, because I think it's addicting. Once you start going abroad, you just keep on wanting to go, because the culture is fascinating to learn about, and I got, personally got to see a lot of the healthcare system. Um, it's a lot different from ours, because here it's all privatized through insurances, whereas over in England, it's a public healthcare system. So, so whenever you like, sometimes when a patient wants needs needs to go surgery, like they can't go right afterwards. You have to wait for so many months before they could actually go. So I got, I became really appreciative of what we have over here compared to what they have over there, and that, like, it just made me like see what America has compared to other countries. And I have to say, like, we have a lot compared to the other people. Um, pretty much, I love studying so much that actually we, um, I got an email when I was abroad saying that the British Council is actually looking for, looking for, like, student ambassadors to do it. And me thinking that, seeing how awesome my experience was, I pretty much just um, applied for it, got, got a recommendation, and then Little do I know, after some interviews and stuff, I got elected. So now I'm pretty much the Villanova um, student ambassador for the British Council. So I pretty much, I pretty much say, if you guys really want to study abroad, go for it because it's a rewarding experience, and you pretty much not only know learn about the culture, you also learn about yourself. Um, yeah, I got to see how independent I was, um, and I pretty much got a lot of confidence to see like. If I was put into a different area, I could pretty much somehow adapt to it and learn to it, learn with it. So, hope you guys all have a good day. <laughs> okay, Here, here's the point where I endear myself to the crowd. Uh, my my wife was supposed to give birth uh, last week. To our, to our first child, and uh, actually Junior showed up three weeks early, which my colleagues were really excited about, not from a Aunt Hoda, Uncle Levi sort of standpoint, uh, but it meant I had no excuse to not be here today uh, and speak to you. And in the words of one of my colleagues, who, whom I won't point out, um, you're one of them now. Uh, so my, se oh, and there's Junior. So just so you know, I'm not making up. See, how's that? Uh, this also, this, this is also a, uh, hey, look what I can do sort of thing, so we don't get, you know, angry questions at the end. I'm just trying to discourage. Um, so since I, since I am a parent now, um, I have a lot of advice after three weeks uh, that I want to impart. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's going to be like 12 mothers in the lobby waiting to beat me up when we're finished. You don't know anything. Um, I very quickly want to talk about uh, advice uh, for you as parents uh, from the standpoint of, uh, professional development that we've gained over the years. In other words, what can you as a parent be doing that would help facilitate the study abroad experience for your student? Uh, now, these remarks come primarily from uh, a book that's come out through our professional organization called What Parents Need to Know. And I'm sorry to say that yesterday's group took all of the copies that we had. Uh, so if you know anyone in yesterday's group, mug them and get a copy of the book. Uh, otherwise, there will be an email address on the last PowerPoint slide. Feel free to drop us an email and we'd be happy uh, to mail one of these to you. Um, again, advice before departure for parents. First of all, get your student to think about uh, studying abroad in terms of what they want to do. You heard us talk about the skills question. It's not about where the student wants to go. It's about 
what they want to do when they get there. Uh, please keep in mind that there is a limit on the amount of information that we can give you. Our hands are bound by uh, federal regulations, FERPA and the Buckley Amendment. So you're calling us to get information about what your student is doing is sometimes impossible. Uh, please keep in mind that the student is the most important source of information that you have. Uh, as you heard mentioned, all of the students have to go through a rigorous application process starting with that group meeting. They have nothing but individual appointments from there on out. The student has all the information. Please keep that in mind. Uh, you heard a couple of the students mention briefly about the health and safety concerns. It's, it's a scary concept. Uh, the idea of sending, sending your son, sending your daughter to another country. Please keep in mind, though, that we're in regular contact not only with the State Department but other professionals in the, in the field and that by insisting on our students going with nonprofit organizations and with universities that have offices like ours, that we have the student safety as our highest hallmark. The real linchpin for us is that contact, that close contact that we have with our overseas partners. Uh, the most important thing that a student can do before studying abroad, though, is to learn about the country where they're going. I'm sure any of the students here would say the exact same thing. We hear this every semester when they get back. Students are shocked by how much people in other countries know about our country that we do not. By extension, students are shocked by how little is known about other countries based on what they're watching on the news on this side. Nothing makes a student stand out more as an American and, by extension, put themselves in an unsafe situation than, than not knowing where they are, not knowing what they're doing, not knowing anything about their country. While they're overseas, um, culture shock is such it's such a distinct phenomenon and it's been studied so rigorously that it's been charted, it's been graphed. There's a, a very famous W graph uh, created by cognitive psychologists that shows the process of, of culture shock in students that are overseas. And the immediate spike up is that honeymoon period, the first week or two that students are there where everything is wonderful. There's so much to do, I have so much independence, I'm so glad I did this. And then there's that dramatic drop right about week two, week three. Um, I'll speak from my experience having lived in England, and it's things like, why don't they use ice? Where is the ice? When will I see the sun again? Why do I have to pay for the ketchup packets? That is not right. What do you mean there's only five television stations? And two of them are running weather programs. Those things acerbate that culture shock and become, by extension, things like, I hate this country. I don't like where I am. Why am I doing this? As a parent, please keep in mind that that immediate spike in that two to three week period after the students get there, maybe they're in non-English speaking countries, maybe they're having trouble adapting, maybe they are uncomfortable with where they are, that's a good thing. Please keep that in mind and keep in mind that it's part of the learning process for students. St. Augustine himself uh, has this great expression in Latin, per molestius erudutio, which basically means learning under hardship. The more in those situations where students are uncomfortable, where they are stressed out, that's where the most learning is occurring. Um, also keep in mind in those situations that we don't want to go around, what's, what's the cliche, Robin Hood's barn or whatever, in terms of making sure that the student is okay. Because in these, and we have this happen all the time, in these situations, the student calls home. I hate this country, I don't like it, I don't know why I did this, the accommodation is awful, um, the room is a closet, I want to come back. And so the student calls home. And so and as a parent, what do you do? Your, your, your student's upset, you want to do something, so you call us, you call the Office of International Studies. I just heard from my son, my daughter, they're in bad accommodation. I want you to fix the accommodation. Okay, so then what do we do? We call overseas to the resident staff there and say, our student, we're hearing from our student, the student says accommodation's bad. And then what do you think happens? The resident staff contacts the student, and the student's like, no, I'm fine. 
It was okay. <laughs> let's take out all the middlemen. Let's, let's take out all of those elements. If, if you are working with your student, if you're talking to your son and daughter, and there's something wrong over there, make sure that they're working with the resident staff because these are the professionals that we have linked with to help facilitate the international experience for the students. Um, Father Peter, in the past president, has started using the expression helicopter parent in working with groups and talking to parents. Uh, you know this expression, helicopter parents, you know, they're, they're hovering and they come in and they land. Uh, a, friend of mine in, a friend of mine in student services has stopped using the expression helicopter parent and is instead using lawnmower parent, which is a parent like a helicopter parent, except they just mow people down, they get in the way. <laughs> ever, ever, ever since the president has started, started using this expression, the problem now is not that we're getting fewer phone calls, but we're getting the preamble. Hi, I don't want to be a helicopter parent, but... Um, please keep in mind that the all-important line of communication is with your student and the student with the on-site staff. And you've heard, again, one of our mottos, you've heard this many times, if you want it to be like home, stay at home. Finally, um, when the student gets back, uh, in many cases, they're going to be miserable. Uh, and, and that's a mark that we've done our job well. In other words, they're not happy being back. They would prefer to stay where they are. They realize and are starting to reflect on their experience that they're a different person, that they're in many ways a better person, a more intelligent person, a more independent person. That's going to be a stressful time, and just be prepared to work with your student through that. We also have resources, not only in our office, but through career services, where we can help translate the student's experience into a successful resume, into a successful graduate school application. Please have them come to talk to us about that. And keep in mind, um, anyone who's, and I mentioned this yesterday, anyone who's been in, in Europe uh, during the summer knows this. You know, it's a running joke. Would the last person in France in the month of August please turn out the lights on the way out? Um, so if your student is studying abroad in the second semester, because Western Europe pretty much closes in, in the summer, just keep this in the back of your mind that the transcript is probably not going to get back to us in the timely manner that we're used to here in the States. Um, I will turn things over now to another alum of the Global Citizens Program, uh, a very good friend of mine, Mr. Christopher Holt. I am Chris Holt. I'm a senior finance major. Um, I was in London freshman year with Colleen. This is the first time I think I've seen her since then. <laughs> um, this is Colleen's first entire year at Villanova, so there's a plus. Um, I actually came to Villanova because of the Global Citizens Program, because not many places offer you a chance to study abroad freshman year. And that's something I knew I wanted to do right off the bat. Um, so I came to Villanova, which my mother was very thrilled about as she works here. Um, it was going to be Southern California if it wasn't here. And she, was, she cried when I visited there. <laughs> so London was kind of the compromise. Um, one thing that's probably the most incredible part of the Global Citizen Program is where you live in London. You live in England's, quote, most desirable postcode, which is like down the street from Kensington Palace. Um, by the end of the time there, you would see a Mercedes in the street and be like, oh, that person must be very poor. <laughs> and it's like, I lived, and the people, I, there's an internship over there, the people I worked with, one of the girls that I worked with, every time she introduced me to someone, would say, oh, this is Chris. He has a four-bedroom apartment in South Kensington. And everyone would be like, ho, oh, oh. ho. <laughs> it's a Boston University-owned building. It's not like I was paying the two million pounds to live there. Um, but it's absolutely incredible. I don't think you can find a safer neighborhood in the world. 
Um, but going abroad, and I also went abroad to Ireland and Galway, um, I probably would have gone abroad more, but I think my parents would have shot me. Um, I have a very good propensity for spending their money. Um, but it's, it's very budgetable, so don't let that fool you. Um, but it's probably the best experience ever. I actually spent this summer in Manhattan working, and I often hung out with friends from Ireland, like Irish kids, and a kid from England who I met in England who is still dating one of the girls I go there. Um, so, daughters, find yourself a charming Englishman. Um, but it, it really is. It's the most incredible thing. Like I was 18 years old living in my own flat in London, and looking back on that now is unbelievable. I worked in a law firm at age 18 in London, which without fail in every interview I've ever had has always been the first thing discussed. It's kind of awkward now because it's like trying, like, oh, like you're Chris Holt, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, London. You worked there when you were 18, huh? And it's, like, there's nothing that can top that, really. I was a freshman in college working in London, and it's probably the best career opportunity I've ever had, and you meet incredible people. I still talk to the people that I worked with. Um, still talk to the people I was there with. It's, it really is, you do become, the name is very appropriate, you do become a global citizen. I never thought when I first came to college that I would be talking to people from Ireland and England all the time, people that I met in Prague, people that I met in Italy. Um, it's another great, when you're over there, it's like, when you're here, it's, what are you gonna do for the weekend? You're gonna stay at Villanova or you're gonna go to Jersey or something. And apologies to those of you who are the Garden Staters. Um, but New Jersey's not quite Paris. Um, <laughs> so you can, you can pop over, like, literally pop over to Paris for a weekend on a 99 pence flight from London, which comes out to about 14 pounds, $28. So it's, travel is unbelievably easy over there. It's a great thing to do. My parents kind of loathe me for it because I keep, I send them postcards from wherever I go and they're like... We, we've never been there. <laughs> um, but it's, and then one of the bad things was when I first moved into my house in Ireland, I lived with three gorgeous Irish girls, so you can imagine that was just awful. <laughs> um, unfortunately, they were not like the senoras who did my laundry and cooked for me. <laughs> but they were great nonetheless. Um, but it's, it, it really is, there's, no shortage of opportunities. You can go anywhere. There's people starting to go to South Africa now. And I used to love giving these speeches, but now as a senior, when I realize I'm not going abroad again, I kind of hate it. <laughs> I talked to the freshmen the other day who are going to London on the Global Citizens Program and had to contain my anger <laughs> and jealousy. I wish I was starting college again instead of going to work for the next 40 years. Um, but it really is. There's no... There's nothing better than studying abroad. Once, be warned though, when they do study abroad, they're going to want to go again. And this is probably the best school in which to do that because it's, Lance knows my mother and suggested that I go abroad after I came back from Ireland. I think they exchanged words and she was not very happy with them. <laughs> um, but they couldn't be more happy that I did go abroad. I had the experience I had and I couldn't be happier with 
my experiences here at Villanova and abroad. Um, and I believe I'll turn it over to Levi. I think it's bad being a senior trying to go abroad again. Imagine sending 200 students a year abroad. It's kind of jealous. So. Uh, my name is Levi Brodigan. Uh, very, very quickly, because we want to leave time for question and answer, um, I would like to talk about some of our programs. Very quickly, as you see up on the screen, uh, Villanova has a few summer and semester programs along with customized programs. Brochures for the semester programs are here, so the details are all there. So I'm not going to bore you with those right now. Um, kind of one of the common threads with all of our semester programs, though, are that we directly enroll students right into a local university, so they really get a true integration into that academic system. Along with that, there's a required Villanova course for all of our students to kind of continue that Augustinian tradition of community building uh, while they're overseas. Uh, we've got programs in London, Melbourne, Urbino, and Galway, and then if a student would like to deviate from those, they can go on, on one of the approved lists provided at, uh, program provided at meets our requirements. Villanova summer programs, we had 400 students on our programs last summer, it was our biggest summer. Uh, we're very proud of that. Um, academic, academic impetus for all of our programs, semester and summer. Why do we want to start a program? What subjects would we like to teach? Um, why do we want to send students to these locations? Uh, we lump in the summer programs into three different categories. We've got arts and culture, obvious. Um, language and literature, these are programs that are language intensive, students studying a language, becoming fluent in a language, pursuing that major or minor. And uh, as well we have business programs, our business programs are very strong with the other two. Um, internships are available in these programs which are, uh, as you've heard, uh, quite an amazing experience. Uh, they're minimum six weeks, they're all faculty led, again, the continuing Augustinian tradition of community. You have that faculty member, like Colleen said, Dr. Jim Murphy goes on the Galway program. He's the point person there, and that's true with all of our programs. We've got one or two faculty assistants going with our students, not only to help with the academics, but also to just make sure they're okay. Host university affiliation with all of our summer programs as well. You get Villanova credit, grades for most programs, and I always use this expression, you get a lot of bang for your buck. While we're not a travel agent, uh, students going on summer programs, it's not a semester, it's not a year, it's a very condensed um, program. So we like to get the students out of their city and, and integrate them into the local culture by taking them on excursions to local communities. Um, customized programs, uh, again, because of time shortage, um, we will be talking about the global learning communities uh, for freshmen at 11 o'clock here. And uh, the global citizens program with whom um, Chris and Colleen both participated on. Uh, we'll be talking about that, and that's a business program for freshmen. So we got frequently asked questions up here for all of you. If you'd like to take them, there's plenty of those. If we run out of the semester brochures, go on our website. We'll be posting that in a minute. The summer programs will be updated in, in October on the website. So if any of your students are interested, please check that out. We don't have any materials because they're all from 07. And uh, with that, I know it was quick, but we'd like to open it up to question and answer with Lance Kenny. So thank you for your time. Again, thank you to everyone that spoke. Uh, enough of us talking, though. What questions do you have that we're not answering? Yes. Since our son's only been here a month, and he already wants to go to London, right? we have no idea if he wants to clash yet. <laughs> we have no idea what grades he has or right. whether or not it would fit. Um, he's only been to your office. Great. And that, that's how we found out. Okay. Uh, he's a freshman, like the young man here. Uh, criteria for knowing whether or not it's going to influence him as far as its grades 
not being here long enough to really know where he is or how he's doing? Um, the, the first real linchpin there will be the midterms. Um, and so the, the dean's office itself will, will send up a red flag if it looks like there's a problem. Uh, in our experience, though, it's never been an issue because the sort of student that wants to study abroad that early in their academic career tends to be the more independent, <coughs> self-selecting student. Um, again, going through the application process, though, does not obligate him in any way to go. So if, you re if there's a situation that's reached where he decides that he doesn't want to go and wants to work with us again later, there's no penalty. Yes? Yes, uh, two things. Two things. The question was, first of all, you need, uh, we should be doing continuing learning, continuing education, study abroad opportunities, because as parents, uh, you're just as interested in going overseas as, as students. The, the general question, though, was elaborating on the financial aid and, and the financial policy. In short, any student studying abroad during the semester pays Villanova tuition, no matter where they go, no matter what they do. So you'll be receiving two invoices. One from Villanova just for tuition, not for room and board, not for the medical center, not for those expenses, just for tuition, and then a separate bill from the program itself for everything except tuition, housing, uh, orientation fees, computer fees, things like that. Because we have that policy, that allows all financial aid to transfer. Any money that gets credited against your tuition bill during the semester if you're on campus, credits against that bill when the student is overseas. In terms of the dollar amount associated with the, the room and maybe the room and board fee coming from the overseas university, we used to be able to tell people that it's cheaper to study abroad than to stay here because of the cost of room and board at Villanova. Um, in all, all honesty, we're now telling people that that should be comparable. And that's only, that's only because uh, the exchange rate has been less than kind to us in the past year or two. Um, if the finances really are an issue in terms of that room and board bill, then it just means we need to look, be looking at less expensive locations. Instead of going to London, uh, going to Manchester in the north of England. Instead of going to um, Western Europe, going to South Africa or East Asia. Um, again, we are happy to work with all of the students individually, and our contact people in the financial aid office are fabulous. Other questions? Yes. Can students um, First of all, we, do, we have not had a student not graduate on time because they studied overseas. That's one of the few rules that's, that's laid down on me by my boss, the Vice President for Academic Affairs. So if it looks like a student would be studying overseas and not graduating on time, we can't let that person go. All of the classes that the students would be taking count towards graduation and appear on the Villanova transcript just as if they had taken them here. The number of courses that they're taking depends on the overseas institution. Um, in the English-speaking world, Australia, in the British Isles in particular, students usually take four classes instead of five, um, which is not a problem because, for instance, in the business school, everyone has to overload one semester freshman year anyway. Uh, but there are some situations, Oxford, Cambridge, St. Andrews, uh, where students are only taking two classes. And in those situations, we bundle that credit so the student is still bringing back a full semester's worth of work. Yes. For housing, are the Villanova students split up? Are they a foreign roommates? Uh, uh, the, 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 the students are split up, and the housing options are so various that, that we couldn't even generalize. Uh, and as you heard mentioned, the only, the only requirement we ask from the students is they're not going with a program where the program has purchased a property with all the Americans in the property. Uh, what's, what's known in our profession is the American Ghetto. 
It's one of the few things that we do not allow. So the students can be in home stays, residence halls, international houses, on-campus residential colleges, meet someone in class who has a spare room in their flat that they want to rent. All of those are fine. We just want to get students as much out of the bubble as possible. Yes, yes. What, what percentage of the academically qualified students that apply get into the program? I am only remembering two students that haven't gotten into a program that they applied for. Um, and in those, and in those situations, all right, so let, let me generalize more often, maybe two or three students a year. And in those situations, it's, I don't remember it ever being for academic reasons. It tends to be because either the program's full or the application got into it. Um, now, again, the, the more prestigious institutions like LSC, like Oxford, like Cambridge, are going to really set the bar high for, for the application itself. Uh, but given Villanova's reputation and our linkages with our partners, it's, it's hardly a match. Yeah, in the back. Can yeah. you speak to the difference between the London School of Economics summer program and if you go there for two semesters? Okay. Um, the summer program through the business school has a variety of tracks, um, one of which allows you to take two classes at LSC, one of which allows you to take uh, a class at LSC and an internship, and one track allows you to take an internship the entire summer. Um, again, the classes are at LSC. It's a fantastic opportunity, um, and the ability to complement that with an internship is great. However, it is still a summer school program. The bulk of the people that are going to be there are going to be international students. So the benefit of going during the academic year, and LSE only allows people to go during, for the full year, is that there's greater levels of immersion, there's greater opportunities to meet British students, to work one-on-one -on -one with the faculty, and to be more integrated in British culture. There's three orientations. I asked a question about engineering students yes. studying abroad. Yeah, I yeah. told it's not frequently done because they're so busy with their workload that they're just inundated with work and it's just not difficult to be um, the question is, um, engineering students, that it's in, in, in all frankness, engineering students are not studying abroad at the levels that other disciplines are. Um, as of this semester, there's been a committee set up within the College of Engineering to specifically address this. Each of the majors within engineering has a faculty member on it, I'm on it, and we're specifically working on ways to create a, a, a pattern of curriculum integration so that it is easier for students to do that. That being said, Levi and I both worked with engineering students in the past 24 hours, and we have record numbers of engineering students awaited semester. I think we have over a dozen, close to 20. I mean, we're, we're, we're making some inroads slowly, um, but we're getting it. Yes, I'm sorry. Can I understand correctly that not only the credits will be transferred on the students' transcript, but the grade evaluation as well? No, no, no. The grade is not for the semester study abroad. What will appear on the Villanova transcript is a Villanova equivalent course and the credits. The grade is not brought in for a variety of reasons. First of all, there's the accreditation issue with middle states, which is we don't feel comfortable bringing in the letter grade when Villanova hasn't hired the professor to talk the class. Uh, more importantly, by doing that, it keeps us from punishing our best students. In other words, and I keep mentioning the, the top tier schools, students going from the United States to the London School of Economics, to Oxford, to Cambridge, if they're making straight Bs, they're doing very well um, because that is a really good grade. However, the sort of student from here that's going to participate in those programs tends to be a straight A student. So I'm not interested in sending a student overseas and having their GPA punished or brought down because they decided to study abroad. My concern there would be that then people would start flocking to 
easier programs. And again, this is an academic exercise. We want to avoid that all together. Yes. Yeah, I have a question. It was similar to his about the engineering. Yes. If the engineering students um, are not going to be able to get um, their full credits to graduate, I'm wondering how you advise them. You tell them to take classes for the summer or you tell them they can't go? No, no, no. no. Um, all the engineering students that are studying abroad are doing things that are counting towards your graduation. Uh, the student I was working with yesterday is going to be doing fluid mechanics and thermodynamics for the semester that he's away next semester. Uh, again, and that's the point of having these designated faculty in each of the colleges. It's, to a certain degree, I, I can very easily advise history students, English students. Even if I wasn't a history major, if the students come to me and says, I have to do 19th century British history, I kind of know what that is and can find it. Someone coming to me and saying, I need thermodynamics, I have no clue. I have no, I have no way of knowing. So the students working with us are working in very close proximity with the designated faculty member to say, okay, this semester you're going away, these are the classes you have to take. Let's, and then it's our responsibility to find a university that has those exact classes. I'm under the impression that if an engineering student goes, he might be one class short of graduate, so he'd have to pick it up somehow in the summer. Um, that, to a certain degree, that might happen to anyone studying in the English-speaking world. Um, again, because the norm in Britain, Ireland, Australia is that you take four classes in the semester and not five. So I, that may be the case, but I, I'm not going to say that that's specific to engineering students. Yes? Is it more advisable for an engineering student to go during the summer then? Does that make it easier? It, it makes it easier. Uh, professionally, I, I always encourage students to go for as long as possible. So the real advice I would give would be if you're an engineering student, get in to see us as soon as possible so that we can start that process in terms of what should you be taking when you're going. And if we're talking about a freshman student planning for junior year, that's great. Because unlike the other majors with the engineers, it's not so much a matter of us advising on what the students should be taking while they're going. It's what should they not be taking before they go. One of the things with most of the colleges is that they, there's a certain sequential format to their, their majors and the core requirements. So especially with the engineering school, uh, you can take classes from the senior year that are more electives and swap those into their sophomore year. And then just kind of do a bit of rearranging so that when they go abroad, they might be taking a senior class, but it's an elective, along with an engineering course. That's what I was kind of thinking. That's like, kind of like during the summer semester of rather than the uh, but very quickly, if you're here and interested in learning about the Villanova International slash Global Learning Communities, I would ask you to come down here to the front where Dr. Nancy Kelly will be talking to you. If you're here to learn about the Global Citizens Program and have a summer daughter that's participating in that, I will be in the back of the room. Thank you very much for coming.